bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Living Word with Pastor Mensah Otobu. And now, today's word. This morning, as we uh, remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to just share a, a few words with you uh, as we honor the day. My message today is titled, Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus is not in the tomb. It's a very obvious statement for the season uh, because it announces the reality of this morning. And uh, it focuses on what happened in the tomb of Jesus on the day of resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the center of our Christian faith. It is the basis for our belief and our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. No other belief system in our world is based on the resurrection uh, as Christianity is. And the resurrection uh, in Christianity is a historical reality. In other words, it happened actually. It is not something we say metaphorically or allegorically or uh, analogically, but it's something that we declare historically and in reality that Jesus physically rose again from the dead. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. My text is going to be from the record of John, the Apostle John, that is in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 to 8. As you know, the, there are four Gospels uh, in the New Testament, each one telling the story of Jesus uh, and giving us details that helps us to get the complete picture of what happened. Of the four writers, John was the only one who was present at the tomb of Jesus. Matthew was not present. He saw the resurrected Christ later. And Mark uh, was not present. Luke was not present. Uh, but John was directly present at the tomb. And that is why his record is very important for our consideration this morning. So, John's Gospel, chapter 20, this is an account of John which involves himself. John chapter 20, verse 1 to 8. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying there yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief 
that had been around his head, not lined with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. Now John in this passage, uh, especially in the book of John, describes himself as the other disciple or the disciple who loved the Lord. So he doesn't mention his name directly, but he's present uh, in the narrative. Now in this story uh, or in this writing, the word saw is uh, used about four times and it is going to form the basis of my message today. Uh, Because Mary saw something, John saw something, Peter saw something, and each one of them drew a different conclusion from what they saw. And we're going to look through how this works. So the first is what Mary saw. Mary saw the stone rolled away. The passage says that she rose up on the first day of the week, Before it was light, when it was still dark, so this would be late dawn, probably around 5 o'clock or thereabouts, depending on uh, the time frame of the Middle East. But it was not light. It was not light. And Mary went out to the place where Jesus had been buried. And the passage says that she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, if you will note, the word saw is used there. And because we read the Bible normally in English, uh, sometimes we don't get the nuanced meanings uh, in the Greek language. But in the three instances I'm going to talk about, the word saw is rendered differently in the Greek language with a different word every time. So in English, it's saw, saw, saw. But in Greek, it is not the same word used. In the first instance, the Greek word is blepo. That is the lemma. That is the root Greek word. It means to look at and be aware of something. To look at and be aware of something. That means that Mary, when she went to the tomb that morning, took a glance That's what the word means. She took a glance. She just saw something. And what she saw was that the stone had been rolled away. She didn't take time to examine what it was. She didn't go into the tomb. She just saw. She took a look. She was aware. And the moment she glanced that, she ran to the disciples and went to report to them. And this is Mary's report. She says they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have laid him. They have taken the Lord from the tomb. Mary did not look inside the tomb. She only saw the stone had been rolled away. But she drew a conclusion. And her conclusion is that they've taken away the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did she arrive at that conclusion since she hadn't gone in? Because in her culture, the tomb had to be closed all the time. Tombs are not open. Tombs are closed. It's, it's like going to a cemetery today and seeing that uh, the gravestone has been rolled away or the tomb is empty. You would 
draw the same conclusion as Mary without going in that grave looters have probably come and taken the body away because tombs are not supposed to be open. So although Mary did not know what was inside, the moment she saw that the tomb was open, she drew a conclusion that the body has been taken away and she said, they have taken away the body. So who is they? They was not us, not we. And he, she is reporting to Peter, the chief apostle, so to speak, and the other apostles. None of them was involved in the taking away of the body. So Mary assumed that somebody else has taken away the body. Either some grave looters or the Jewish authorities or the Romans have taken away the body. But that was her conclusion. But remember, her conclusion was based on simply taking a glance. She saw but she didn't go further. And it, it tells us something about sometimes how we draw conclusions about the things we see. We see something and instantly we decide, oh, this is what it means. It may be a half truth. It may not be a perfect truth. So that's the first view we see from Mary. She saw and she drew a conclusion. They've taken away the body of the Lord and she says, we don't know where they have taken him. Now, after Mary announced that they've taken away the body of Jesus, Peter and John rose up and started running. It had to be a very traumatic idea to them. They've seen Jesus brutally killed, uh, crucified, and now the body is taken away and they're running for the first time. They have no fear. They're not running away from Jesus. They're running away to the, to the graveside. And as they run, Peter uh, and John, John overtook Peter. And uh, he also went to the tomb and he also saw, and I'm not going to comment about this kind of scene because the same word that is described for John's first scene because John saw twice is the same blepo he also took a glance but then Peter came in although he was a slow runner he came in and he went straight into the tomb and the Bible says Peter saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Peter saw the grave clothes neatly folded. So when Peter came, he didn't do what Mary had done or what John had done, take a glance. Peter went in and saw. The Greek word that is used or and translated as saw is tereo. And it means to view attentively. To view attentively. It means to pay attention. So he's not just glancing, he's examining what he's looking at. Mary took a glance and ran away. John took a glance and stepped back. But for Peter, he paid attention he paid attention so he saw but he wasn't seen like just taking a glance he was now 
examining what was before him. And Peter saw something very interesting. He saw that the burial cloths were folded. So as Peter is looking at it, he's looking at what is happening. He's paying attention and he's making some deductions. And what he saw is that the cloth that was around the body of Jesus was there, but it is lying in place. It's been folded in place. That is shocking, Peter is thinking. That is shocking. Why would the clothes be in place? And then Peter saw that the head wrap that had been used to wrap the head of Jesus was folded but separated from the main cloth. So if you were to imagine it now, it is the folded larger piece of cloth and then another folded piece of cloth but the smaller piece of cloth that has been folded the headband is not joined to the big one so this is Peter's examination he's now examining what is happened Mary said they've taken him away obviously he's not there but who took him away? Could it be the Romans? If it was the Romans, would they be able to extract his body without disturbing the cloth? Obviously they can't. If it is the disciples who came to take away the body, they would have taken the body and the cloth together and run away because all of them would be precious to them. If it was thieves, they wouldn't take time to fold the cloth. Have you seen thieves who have come to a home, ransack the home and take time to pack everything in place? You know, they threw the TV down and, and fixed it back and put all your clothes back and, and fix everything neatly and left. No, they have no patience for that. If thieves came for the body of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't fold the cloth and leave it there. If Romans came, they wouldn't do the same thing. If it was the disciples, maybe they would, but they would have taken both the cloth and the body. So this is what Peter is looking at. And as he's examining this, he's making different conclusions from Mary. They, they didn't just take the body. Something has happened to this body. The Romans haven't taken it. Thieves haven't taken it. We didn't take it. Who took it? So, something I just want to bring to your attention. That when you look at the evidence that Peter is examining before him, it tells you that the power of God was responsible for this. The power of God is responsible for two things. The rolling away of the stone and the resurrection of the body. But it shows different aspects of the power of God. The rolling away of the stone was the power of God at work but it was the power of God acting forcefully forcefully because the stone had to be forcefully rolled away but the taking or the resurrection of the body and the evidence before them shows that the same power of God which is forceful can also be gentle and that 
should tell you that sometimes God can move forcefully in your life and sometimes he can move gently in your life. He can pack and fold cloth and sometimes he can move mountains out of your way. I don't know what your situation is. If it requires force, God will apply force. If it requires gentility, God will be gentle with you. But all of that is the power of God in manifestation. Moving away stones and gently packing cloth to leave behind an evidence. So we see that the rolling of the stone was not for Jesus to get out. The rolling of the stone was so that we can see the evidence he left behind. That leads me to the third saw. John, the passage says, John saw and believed. John saw and believed. It says, then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. He saw and believed. Mary saw, Peter saw, John saw. Each one is making different observations. Mary saw, says they've taken away the body. Peter saw, she saw how well everything had been left behind, folded. John saw, this is his second scene, and he believed. He arrived at a spiritual conclusion. And the word that is translated from the Greek into English as saw in John's case is idon. It means to know and to understand. To know and to understand. Not just to glance, not just to examine, but to come to a conclusion of faith. John came to a conclusion of faith by looking. What did he believe? He believed that Jesus is alive. John just realized at that time, this is not the work of man. This is not the work of Romans. This is not the work of the disciples of Jesus, some fanatics of Jesus. This is not the work of the Jews. They disrespected his body. They wouldn't have respected his clothes. John's conclusion is, God is at work here. The master has risen indeed. And at that time, without seeing the body of Jesus, later on, Jesus will show his body to his disciples. But even without the body of Jesus, John believed he's alive. And we are where John is. We never saw his body. We actually didn't see the grave clothes. But we examine the evidence of the scripture. And we also come to the same conclusion as John. Without seeing the body that Jesus is alive. How do we know? Because the record is clear. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. Jesus is alive. If Jesus is alive, then there are four implications and I'm ending with this. First, if Jesus is alive, then it means that he is who he says he is. He said, I will die, I will resurrect. But not only that, he said, 
that I will come again. If his death happened as he said, his resurrection happened as he said, then his coming will happen as he said. You better trust what Jesus says. He says the ridiculous and the impossible and then he makes it possible. He says things that do not make sense and then they make sense. He says things that you never see happen to any human being and then it happens to him. He was born of a virgin, never happened to anybody. He died, he rose again, never happened to anybody. And he's coming again, never happened to anybody. But when it comes to Jesus, consider it done. He's coming again. He is who he says he is. He is the savior of the world. His resurrection shows. I don't know what you believe. You may say, well, my religion doesn't believe that. I don't believe in what that religion. But if you look at this evidence, you can come to only one conclusion. There is no other way to salvation except through Jesus Christ. You may be the most highly educated person, but you cannot controvert this reality. That Jesus is who he says he is. He is the savior of the world. Thirdly, that Jesus has power over death. He has power over death. That powerful enemy has been conquered. And that Jesus gives life to all who come to him. When we come to him in faith, he receives us. He makes us new. Today on this resurrection morning, what do you see? Are you just taking a glance at Jesus? There are many people who just take a glance at Jesus. Oh yeah, he says, oh I go to church. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm also a Christian. I'm also a Christian. I was also baptized. I'm also confirmed. That's Mary Magdalene's view. And then there are those who say, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I read the Bible. I examine the truth. I, you know, I've read the Bible cover to cover. I know everything. They're examining like Peter. But then we have to get to where John gets to. He saw and believed. And until you get to that point, you just glance at Jesus, examine the facts, but never arrive at faith. And if you don't arrive at faith, then every other consideration you've made of Jesus is inconsequential. Because you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, not whosoever thinks, not whosoever goes to church, not whosoever has a Christian name, but whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. Have you come to the point where your heart has registered that Jesus is who he says he is. And this morning, as I conclude my message, I want to give the opportunity to everyone, whether you are here in church, probably you accompanying somebody to church, or you're watching me on television, listening to me on the radio in your car, 
watching on Facebook, just having a glance at Jesus or even examining the evidence doesn't end the matter with you. You have to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. And I'm going to lead everybody to pray a very simple prayer. And if you are with us in church today and you say, Pastor, what you're saying speaks to me. I come to church. I, I, know, I know all of these things, but I don't think I have really given my heart to Jesus. I don't think Jesus is really in my heart. I don't think I've really believed him as my Lord and Savior. If you are in that position and you want to be very sure that when Jesus comes the second time, you will not miss it. Or that if you should die, you would not miss him. If you want to be sure, then I want to pray with you for Jesus Christ to come into your life. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Have mercy on me. Today, I see Jesus with the eye of faith and I ask him to come into my heart and change my life. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. That you are the son of God. That you died for me. That you rose again from the dead. I ask you Jesus. Come into my heart. Save me. Make me your own. From today. I belong to you. All that I have. Is yours. All that I am. Is yours. Thank you. For accepting me. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otobi. Like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter. At Mensah Otobi. Email. Otobi at centralgospel.com Or call. Plus 233 302 688 000